we may now consider together as we shall be enabled words you will find in the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms, Psalm 39. From verse 7. Psalm 39 at verse 7. And now, Lord, what wait I for? My hope is in thee. Deliver me from my transgression. Make me not the reproach of the poor. Now, Lord, what wait I for? My hope is in thee. The scriptures make it abundantly plain and experience teaches or confirms what the scriptures teach that the natural mind has always an objection a deep-rooted objection to God and to the things of God. To whom shall I liken this generation? So says Christ himself. They are like unto children sitting in the marketplace and saying to their fellows, We have piped and and he have not asked. We have mourned unto you, and he have not wept. And that is to say, the appropriate response was not forthcoming. Doubtless, uh, the Saviour refers to um, children playing in a game, but a game which had something um, substantial behind it, something in real life corresponding to it. We have piped. You have something against those pipes. We have mourned. You have something against no more. And you know how he applies that? John the Baptist came. Neither eating flesh nor drinking wine. That didn't please them. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and that didn't please them.
But before we go any further, it would be beneficial if we all asked ourselves this question, what am I waiting for? And you will find immediately you ask it, that it is not so easy to answer as perhaps we thought it was. What am I waiting for? Assuming, of course, uh, that one is waiting for something. What is it? What am I waiting for? What am I looking for? What am I expecting? Or am I expecting anything at all? Supposing now the Lord himself, through a celestial messenger, to an angel from heaven were to stand before you at this very minute, and ask you this question, what are you waiting for? What would you say? How do you have any answer? In other words, is your worship rendered intelligently? What are you looking for? And as we have at least uh, hinted, in many cases, there could be no answer. People's minds are so vague. The darkness that covers them so vague that they don't really know what they are looking for. That is generally, generally speaking. But there are, there are those who know. At least, perhaps we should put it like this, there are seasons in the experience of some when they know what they are looking for what they would like to have what takes precedence over everything else take for instance the man <coughs> whose conscience the Lord has touched take the man who is in some measure conscious of his gift before God. He knows what he's looking for. For forgiveness of his sins. For a free pardon that will take away all his gift. The publican knew what he was looking for. The Pharisee didn't. In fact, he wasn't looking for anything. But the publican was. He knew what he needed there and then. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Be merciful to me. He was looking for mercy. He was seeking mercy. He was asking for mercy. And it did not matter how many obstacles 
he saw in the way of the fulfillment of his desire and he saw men still he couldn't help looking for seeking mercy oh be merciful to me a sinner the Pharisee we say on the other hand was so overjoyed so confident so presumptuous in his estimate of himself that really he had, he had nothing to do he wasn't looking for anything and again take the man who is finding out by bitter experience that he is ruined by sin not only that he is guilty but that his nature is absolutely ruined that the disease of sin went so deep into his being that only God himself can cleanse him from it what is he looking for? what way die for? what am I looking for? that the Lord would exercise and exert his, assert, exert his power to the renewing of my name to the curving of the perfect thing that God hates I'm looking for this there are some at times who are conscious of this and if they were asked what they were looking for they would have a ready answer they don't say at all times but sometimes that they are looking for God's power or expecting or desire that power to take possession of them to curb in them that cursed thing that is so offensive to the eyes of Jehovah whose eyes are purer than that he that he can look upon sin what wait I for but then we might understand this as not uh, um, referring to anything specific in that way at all but as there is a way in which God delights so there is a way which is offensive to God when a man waits in his sins having no desire to get out of it and if he has any desire it expresses itself by way of finding some fault with God you remember in this connection the rich man who lifted up his eyes in hell being in torment and seeing Abraham afar off he said unto him send one for the dead from the dead to war my brethren that they may not come into this place of torment send one from the dead to war them and what is at the bottom of that request
It is the enmity of the heart finding fault with God. It is said that God has not given men sufficient evidence of what he is and of what he will do. The rich man says, in effect, if I had more than I had, I wouldn't be here today. If God had given me more, if the evidence had been clearer, I wouldn't be here. So it is in the last analysis, the enmity of his heart, finding fault with God. But the thing is, and this we, 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 we refer to again and again, it is not more evidence that men need at all. In fact, objectively considered, no more will be given. There is no room for any more. God has given all the proof, all the evidence of his being and character that is necessary for men to understand what he is. We do not, of course, by that imply that the human understanding is capable of assessing the evidence that God gives, or no. But we say objectively considered, God has given enough evidence, plenty of proof, irrefragable proof of his being and character. So what men need is not that God would give them something more by way of proof, by way of evidence, what they need is that God would open their eyes to see the evidence that God has already given, to assess aright that which God has already declared and proclaimed concerning himself. Now if we are waiting for evidence of the type we are, we are trying to speak of, objective evidence, something objective to ourselves. If we are waiting for anything like that, we'll never get it. There won't come a man from the dead to tell us about what is behind the veil. No. And the reason is that that's not necessary. We have Moses and the prophets. We have the word of God, and if we believe not that, we would not believe if a man rose from the dead. There is nothing more dangerous than the common tendency in men's minds to this effect. If they had this, or if they saw that, if they heard this or that, if they had some supernatural evidence, then all would be well with them. Perhaps there's no tendency in the human mind stronger than that one. That is in the realm of religion. One man would think, well, if I saw an angel, if I saw my, or if I saw my name written in heaven, written among the stars, if I saw this and that, 
then I would believe. That's what we say, we say more dangerous than that, because it proceeds on basically wrong principles. What if an angel from heaven did appear to me and said, thy sins are forgiven thee, or said, as was said to Gideon, the Lord is with me. What if that did happen? Uh, would that be sufficient evidence that I was in a state of favor with God? Surely not. And Paul makes that abundantly clear when he says, if we or an angel from heaven preach unto you any gospel other than that which we have heard and received, let him be accursed. It is not written anywhere in the scripture that a man will be saved if he will see something supernatural. Even if one would see all types of miracles and one were made acquainted with the world to come in an extraordinary way, that's not salvation. And that is not even connected with salvation. What then is salvation? What is one to wait for? Or in other words, what is right waiting as distinct from wrong waiting? Well, surely, <coughs> the scriptures are quite clear on that. A man is not saved by certain things he sees with his natural eyes or things that he may hear. A man is saved by being born again. And what does this mean? Well, being born again means that immediately one sees the evidence, the scriptural evidence for the being and the character of God. That is the immediate effect. So if one is waiting for something other than that, then his waiting is in vain. Not only is it in vain, but basically it is sinful. Oh yes, the Lord is gracious. Very gracious. He forgives the sin like other sins. Nevertheless, to demand or to think of something which God has not promised is sinful. Essentially so. But then there is a right way. And the first thing implied in it is this. That one knows and knows beyond any doubt that there are certain things he himself cannot do. And that is at the basis, at the foundation, at the very root of waiting on God. There are certain things that I cannot do. 
and certain things that must be done. And until one learns that he cannot and will not wait upon God. But notice there are these two. Certain things that must be done. There are thousands who take up the attitude, well, I cannot do it anyway. And there it ends. What's that in there? It is this. They are not really convinced that it must be done. But when you have these two in conjunction, I cannot do it, and it must be done. It must be done if I am not to receive the wages which my sin er has earned. If I am not to die everlastingly, this must be done. Then there is intelligent and consistent waiting upon the Lord. I cannot, and it must. And it is precisely at this point that the glory of grace comes to view. That is a term in scripture which certainly is worthy of our consideration. The glory of his grace. The glory of his grace. And this glory cannot shine. But in this very circumstance, in this condition, in this situation, I can't and it must be done. Here now there is room for the glory of grace. What does this do? It links my impotence to God's omnipotence. Hence the apostle could and did say, when I am weak, then am I strong. Grace, we must say in this respect, grace is the link between my impotence and God's omnipotence. And what a link this is. It is the link between my gift and God's mercy. It is the link between my pollution and God's fountain for the cleansing of sin and uncleanness. This is grace. What do I wait for? Now that is a question put in few words, but it removes what we are. That is, our response to this question is an infallible index to our spiritual condition. What do I wait? Oh, you say, but you've left out the most important thing of all. Yes, I know. There is something that transcends even the grace of God. Oh, you say, that cannot be. Oh, yes. 
What is it? God himself. God himself. And this in the last analysis is what the greater soul is waiting for. Whether he is enjoying communion with God or whether he is consciously shut out from it, it doesn't matter. The basic condition of the soul is the same. The basic desire is the same. And it is this what wait I for. I wait for the Lord. How do you say, how can you wait for him if he is enjoying present communion with him? Oh, well, in a sense, the more he is enjoying, the more he is awake. That seems to be, that seems to be, if not a contradiction, is certainly a paradox. Oh, well, it may be all that, but the fact is that the more one knows, the more you wait for what? For more. No soul is so responsive to more revelation of God's grace than the soul who is already enjoying some. The some he has puts him in a condition necessary so to wait for more. And the very nature of this life lies, lies back of this. Because the full salvation of God, the salvation which he has wrought with his right hand objectively, the full, that full salvation in the experience of the church is not to be had until the resurrection. And the grace of God that gives rise to spiritual desire aspires to this. Not only to um, the tasting and the drinking of the water of life in the way, but it aspires to that complete salvation in which body and soul will be the image of God's Son. The image of that and the full enjoyment of it through all eternity. Now, God, what may die for? That's the question. We read of the Thessalonians that they turned from idols, or they turned to God from idols to serve the living and the true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, even Jesus, who has saved us from the wrath to come. What wait I for? And in this connection, as in all others, There is a place and time for the prayer. Search me, O God, and see. See what I'm waiting for. Now. 
give me to know what I'm waiting for. Now he, he, he goes on from this to say, I wish I should mention that, my hope is in him. And the connection of course is, I am waiting for thee because my hope is in thee. And putting it in this uh, form of a question, what wait I for, may be understood as calling into exercise the very omniscience of God. He could see sincerely and honestly say, Lord, thou knowest that I am waiting for thee. Thou knowest that thou art the object of my desire. But my soul is towards the remembrance of thy name. As Peter could and did on a later occasion say, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. My hope is in thee. And is there anything else covered by that, or is, um, is the going smooth and easy after that? Oh no, the psalmist has something else to say. Save me from my transgressions. My hope is in thee, but this is part of the hope that is in thee that thou wilt save me from my transgressions. He is confessing at the beginning of the psalm that he had spoken unadvisedly with his lips. He is now saying to himself, well, I, I said what I ought not to have said. After this I will keep in my tongue as with a bride. More easily said than done. Yea, he said, I refrain from that which is good. But then the fire did burn. He is looking back. He is looking forward. And he dares to hear, to say, My hope is in thee. My own resolution. They are not worth making if the grace of God is lacking. If God doesn't work it, then it will not be worked. I said, but Lord, my hope is in thee. I have come to this, that I can look for no improvement. That I can look for no solid God. Yea, that I can look for nothing worth having. But from thyself, my hope is in thee. Free me from my transgressions. Do thou uphold, do thou strengthen me, do thou keep me. Yea, keep me 
From verse 5 I wait for God, my soul doth wait. My hope is in his word. More than they that for morning watch, my soul waits for the Lord. I say more than they that do watch the morning light to see. Let his son hope in the Lord, for with him mercies be, and plenteous redemption is ever found with him. And from all his iniquities, he is son shall ready. These verses of Psalm 130, I wait for God. I wait.